The following is a conversation with Jason Wojo. Jason Wojo is a Duke PhD and worked in corporate America until 2011 when he decided to quit his job because he didn't want to work for someone else. He then went into real estate and stumbled upon Life and Air, a business coaching organization that helped him shape the life he wants to live and helps many others do the same. In a twist of fate, Jason now serves as the CEO of Life and Air. Tune in to hear more about his story. So, Jason, what was your first job out of college? So if you want to call it a job, it was actually I was a postdoctoral fellow for the Navy doing research, uh, actually biological and chemical warfare research to be exact. But by the way, it sounds way cooler than it really was in real life. <laughs> Interesting. Sounds good. What kind of, why biological and chemical warfare? Do you want to do something in the Navy or something in like industrial engineering or kind of, I don't yeah. know if industrial engineering has anything to do with that, but you get the, the kind of vibe I'm asking. Yeah. Well, so, so my, I got my doctorate degree in immunology. Uh, and I went to Duke and a lot of the same science is kind of funny because like a lot of the same techniques and experimental procedures and the technology is, is utilized in different areas of, of science. And so this was something that sounded cool, but also built on the skills I already had developed in grad school. So I'm like, Hey, this sounds kind of cool. Then versus just being, you know, just a lab rat or on a desk somewhere that doesn't, wasn't doing anything cool or working on something that seemed like, you know, insignificant or boring. Got it. Fair enough. So, okay. Makes sense. So you wanted to have like an interesting job there and do something yeah. a little more sciencey, but I know you ended up quitting. So, you know, why'd you end up leaving? Right. I'm sure everyone would love, would love to answer that question, but they can't do so in their, their normal lives. But, you know, you're in the position where you can speak freely about that. So, you know, yeah. why'd you end up quitting at corporate America? So technically I let my, so a postdoc is typically a term uh, arrangement. And so I had a two year commitment to them. And I didn't want to break that because like one thing that I'm, I'm pretty strong about is like my word being my bond kind of thing. And so I didn't want to break that. And so what I realized is that I'm going to finish, finish out the two-year term. I was not going to renew. I was offered a position in tech transfer, which is mm -hmm. essentially kind of like the business of taking the inventions and the developments that you've done scientifically and bringing them to market. And um, while that also sounded cool it didn't allow me to kind of pursue my own path. And so like when I finished that two years, I realized like that was going to be my two years. And then by then that was my launch point. Like, so I had my, I had my deadline as to when I had to have my own stuff, all my ducks in, in a row to, to make that leap. Mm -hmm. Got it. So it sounds like nothing was kind of set up strategically and you knew you didn't want to like still work for someone else or under the lines of corporate America. So that's why ultimately you made that leap. Yeah, man. You know, and listen, I, I don't, I am not one to cast, uh, cast judgment or throw stones. Like some people really do love their job, what they do. And for me, if I wanted to live the life that I envisioned, it didn't include having a job working for somebody else. And so I know that not like everybody has a different vision for their life. Everybody has different goals and ambitions. And for me, I, I had to kind of go out on my own to have that freedom. And, you know, some people can live the, the life they want and still have a job. And that's awesome. That just, that just wasn't my case. Got it. Fair enough. I think uh, I really respect that point of view. I think that a lot of people, you know, it's easy to judge others. Obviously, it's the worst thing we could do. And we got to kind of try to introspect. But you know, for those that love corporate America, by all means, but I think some people just have a natural inhibition or kind of natural characteristics that guide them towards the doing your own thing kind of life path. So definitely yeah. interesting to resonate there. Um, so the one thing that you did do after that was go into real estate. You know, why did you end up doing real estate as opposed to kind of running the show in another industry? So I didn't have, so it's interesting because like, well, first of all, let me say that when I, 
wanted to leave and I didn't want to have a job anymore. That was very foreign to me because like all I was ever taught was like a job is your only option. Like I didn't have any entrepreneurs. I had no business owners in my family. Um, you know, my dad, uh, when I was a kid, I found a bunch of for sale real estate signs in the basement that he never put out. So me, he, maybe at some point he had some entrepreneurial dreams that just died and he was an accountant. And so he, he never did it. And so the reason I chose real estate was because um, I realized like, okay, I have no business experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about business. And real estate was something at least I'm like, okay, how hard can it be? Like, it's kind of tangible. It's a house. Like, you know, it, it seemed like a logical, easy first step um, that didn't require necessarily to be a business owner and know about all this kind of stuff. Now, as I found out later, like you're still a business owner when you're a real estate investor, but at least on the surface, it seemed like that was a, something I could, I could wrap my head around, you know? Mm -hmm. Was it as easy as it looked or what would you say about that? No, it was not. <laughs> so one of the things, and I, I can't say this is true for every industry, but in the real estate industry, there's a lot of educational um, promotion. Like, so there's real estate investment groups all over the country. And a lot of times they'll have, you know, you might consider them to be, you know, call themselves gurus who come in and sell courses and educational products and boot camps and, and those kinds of things. And there's value there and they're good, but I think the general tendency is for these gurus to make it seem a little bit easier than it really is. And I get it. They have something to sell, but it was definitely much, much more challenging than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, and so, and I, and you know, I think that's probably true for almost everything. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, even when I, when I say I'm going to do something, you know, clean my house and I say it's gonna take an hour. You know, everything takes longer than it's harder than you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I wasn't fully prepared for it. But the one thing I did have going for me is like, I'm just going to keep going until I make this thing happen. And so that's, that's what ended up occurring in my life. Got it. Fair enough. What do you think the biggest, you know, I think you spoke about it earlier, but what do you think the biggest challenges were kind of running your own thing, especially within real estate and having to learn really the ropes of on, on the surface, what seems like simple, but deep down, there's probably a lot of moving parts to figure out. There's a, there's a few things. There's mul I think there's multiple components to being successful in business. Um, and you have everything from, you know, the first thing you encounter, like for instance, when you go out into business for yourself is controlling your time. And, you know, are you disciplined? Are you going to get the work done that you need to get done versus now you have nobody looking over your shoulder to tell you you should be doing this or keeping you accountable. There's no deadlines per se. So you got to have the self-discipline to, to do the things and manage your time effectively. But then you also have this component of business, which is like, there's a lot, like you gotta, you gotta understand and find a balance between working in the business itself and working on the business. You gotta start thinking like in, in the future, but also in the present, you gotta start understanding like, what are the key components to my particular industry and my niche and do market research and develop those skills and make the connections. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are involved, but it's and and everyone has natural talent and so what you really got to start to understand is like if if you're going to run a business um you have to really my, the, the the easiest suggestion i would be is like find somebody else who's already done it and who can mm -hmm. mentor you or guide you or coach you because it just cuts a lot of time off your learning curve because like when i first started like i didn't know what i didn't know like i didn't I didn't, you know, I made a lot of mistakes that I had no idea would even come back to bite me. Like I didn't know, for instance, one of my projects, I was flipping houses. I never even, I never knew that I should do an inspection 
a final inspection prior to closing. So I had gone out to this property weeks earlier. Hey, this looks great. I made this offer. It got accepted. And then I closed on it. And then I go back and I realized that the H the, the, the HVAC unit, the, the air conditioning, the heater had all been stolen. Sure. And I'm like, wow, if I would have caught this before I closed on it, I probably could have renegotiated. Now I got to pay. I gotta... So I've made so many mistakes like that because I just didn't know. You know, so it's, yeah. it's kind of like there's, there's multiple things you got to think about. Yep, for sure. Devil's always in the details. And I think yeah. now, you know, if there's any lesson learned, at least anyone else listening who's trying to get into real estate, always get an independent inspection before uh, before buying a property. For sure. Uh, so another thing, which you're actually the CEO now, and I'm sure uh, kind of has had a significant influence on your life is life and air. So before we yeah. get into all the fancy stuff around that, can you speak a little bit about what life and air is? So life and air is actually, it's, it's, uh, think of the word millionaire, except the life. And the reason why this is, I'm so passionate about this, and this is what I do predominantly now, um, is that it allows for business owners to have both a life and a business they, they love. And so here's, here's a mistake, especially when you're, well, frankly, at every stage of business development, because like when you're first starting off, you're probably working a whole lot and life can get the leftovers. Life kind of gets like the, you know, like the crumbs. And then as you build your business, if you're not careful, you'll become kind of consumed by your business and it, become, it becomes kind of your one thing. And, and again, your family, your health, all these other parts of your life kind of take the back seat. Mm -hmm. And especially as you scale and you get more successful, now you've kind of many times built a monster that requires you know, food and you got to continually work in the business. And so the whole, the whole MO of life in here is like, how do, you, how do you, number one, put together what you want your life to really look like in a tangible way, but then also like, how do you, how do you truthfully and, and practically create a business that can support that life without you working, you know, 60, 80 plus hours a week. And so that's like, that is what life in here is, is really like how to help people design, you know, a life they love and a business they love. Got it. So what do you think, you know, working with life in air, is there a one size fits all? Like you try to work with a different variety of different kinds of businesses or you predominantly target like one or two different industries where people can build these, these, so, uh, these businesses. Yeah, we are, we are real estate investor heavy, but not exclusive. And when I say heavy, I mean either people that are, that their primary business is real estate and, and realize also real estate is a very diverse industry. So for instance, we have people that do short term rentals like Airbnb. We have people that flip. We have people that have apartments. We have people that have storage facilities that will do mortgages and notes and private lending. There's so many different aspects of real estate. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our people either will have a business directly in real estate or they will take proceeds, for instance, from their W-2 job for those who want to keep it, or they'll take proceeds from their business and buy real estate as an asset-based you know, uh, diversification move so that all of their business, all their eggs aren't in one basket. And so they have income streams from, from multiple sources. Uh, now, with that being said, we probably have 20% of people that have nothing to do with real estate. We have people, I'm thinking of a guy right now, he has a yacht management company. We have another guy who has a, 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 a power washing company. We have retail people. We have, you know, e-learning, e, e e-commerce businesses. So, so I'd say we're real estate heavy, but definitely not exclusive. Got it. So say, for example, someone comes to you guys with, you know, a yacht business, love that you guys brought that up. So what kind of practical advice would you give to, to him or her and to how they can kind of most efficiently run their business, but also have uh, kind of that time left over to pun intended be life in there? Yeah. So, so the guy, I'll, get, I'll use the example of the, of the yacht management guy. So this is a particular example. His name is Bill. Um, and he came into the program, didn't really have a clear vision of what he wanted his life to look like. He only knew 
that he was working too much. So, so the part that he was doing in his company in particular was he was the one kind of driving the boat. He was the one who was scheduling all the clients. He was the one who was doing all the marketing. He was, he's down in Naples, Florida. And so he's doing all of the work, like all the admin, all the hands-on stuff. He's dealing with the customer and client relations. He's doing, you know, when, when they're done with the boat, he's the one who coordinates all the clean and, and gets the teams. And so, so in his case, it was really two parts. And so, and I would say in 90% of cases, these same, if you, you mentioned cookie cutter, there are two places where I see most people fall down. And the first mm -hmm. part is oftentimes they don't really have a clear, a very, very clear tangible picture of what they want their life to look like, which hurts them because Number one, it doesn't give you a definition for winning. It doesn't give you a goal. But number two, what I found is that like, if you don't have something that you want to experience in your life, you're just going to work because you have the available time because you don't have something else you'd rather be doing. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, I'm good at work. I'm making money. I may as well work. And so that vision is, is one of the most common mistakes I see people make. The second part, and in, in this plays into the exa example I just gave you with Bill, is that many business owners, and listen, I did this too. So there's no judgment here. Most business owners just have a, they really own a job. They don't own a business. And so in, in this case, for instance, he was doing all these different things and he started to wonder, Hey, I, I can't scale. I can't grow. I'm, I'm, I'm already running around with my hair on fire constantly. Like, and so you have to make the transition from business operator to business owner. And that means delegating. That means building systems. That means having processes. This means, you know, eliminating the things that aren't really serving the business. And so that's the other cookie cutter, I guess you could say, thing that we see so frequently that we've actually like, this is, this is a big initiative within life in here is to how, do, how do you pull yourself out of your business? Yep. Fair enough. You know, I think a lot of times business owners, they might have fear or kind of lack of faith when it comes to letting other people make decisions or delegating kind of decision-making tasks. How would you say that you're able sure. to kind of ease that fear and, you know, let them know that, hey, you know, this is part of growing a brand and part of growing. And, you know, this is what it takes if you really want to, A, build a business to uh, live your life and be a life and heir. So that's a great question. And there's actually, there's actually another component of it that, that I, I didn't fully understand early on. So you have, you have the fear for sure. And a lot of that fear is like, you know, um, I don't want to turn over the keys. Like I, I, I don't, no one does it as good as I can. Uh, you can't trust people. Nobody wants to work. We all have these beliefs, right? But one, one way to overcome that fear. Oh, oh, here's another one. Like I won't be able to, you know, I can't afford to bring somebody on. That's another very, very common one. And so one of the ways to overcome that fear is to realize number one, what is the likely outcome for you as a business owner? If you don't bring someone on in, another three, five, 10 years, what will that look like for you if you're still doing all the things you're doing now? And how does that feel? And then use that feeling. Are you more scared of that? Or are you more scared of taking a chance on somebody else, of, of someone else going in there? And so when you compare those and contrast those two levels of fear, most people will realize like, man, if I don't do this, here's, my, here's almost my guaranteed goal, my guaranteed consequence rather, versus taking a chance to hire somebody. Um, the other thing, like practically speaking, is when you when you bring somebody on, and I talk a lot about this because it's a very, very common mistake. A lot of people think that because they're good at swinging a hammer mm. or being a technician, that they are good in attracting, in finding, in hiring, in screening, in training, and leading those people as well. And that's just not true. It's a different skill set. And so until you understand that, 
you know, and, and by the way, if you think it's the same skill set, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be, you're going to have a bad experience with this person. And you're going to see, you're going to say, see, I told you so. You can't, you can't trust anybody, nobody. And you just reinforce your own belief pattern instead of realizing like I'm the, I'm at fault. It's my lack of skills and abilities that resulted in this poor experience. And so that's, that's one huge thing to really wrap your mind around. The other thing, uh, quite frankly, aside from fear is, is, well, it's kind of related to fear as well is, is ego. Like some people really like to feel like they are the puppet master. Like they're calling all the shots. They're the one who's needed. They're required. You know, they want to be the man or the woman in your business. And if that's true, you are creating something that is, is a, is a deck of cards or, or a set of dominoes that like, if you, if you aren't able to work or if, if there's a bottleneck, it is you. And so you got to get over that now. To your point, some of that is fear. Like, who am I without work? What is my value outside of my job? And like, there's some fear there as well. But the identity part has to shift alongside with the with the actual skill set of, of of building a business and building a team. Got it. I think that's a really valid point. And kind of another practical example. You know, what would you say? Or one, how did you first hear of Life and Error? And really, what would you say that the influence it has had on your life has been? Yeah. So, so I actually I started off as a as a member in Life and Error as a student in 2009. Um, I had already heard of uh, Steve Cook, who's the founder, because he was a real estate investor, and he's one of the guys that I started looking up to when I had first begun um, my investment attempts and in, in my in my journey. And so I already had some experience knowing him and I had already bought his course and I ran into him at a property auction once and I was, it's, it's super funny, it's super embarrassing, but I was like totally geeked out by him. I'm like, cause he's like, he was a nationally known guy and I went up and introduced myself. And then shortly thereafter, uh, we, we struck up a conversation. He invited me into the program. And so I started off in 2009. Uh, and so for me, I... I can't imagine where my life or my business would be without life in here because what it's essentially allowed me to do is, is avert all of the, all of the consequences and all of the mistakes um, of putting business first and life second. But that wasn't until after I had suffered some, some of my own losses. So for instance, like I went, I went through a divorce and I had a ton of debt and I, I have the crash and burn story, um, but life in here, is what allowed me to kind of really make sure that I didn't repeat that. And that didn't allow me to, to continue to go on this path and, and suffer those consequences. So like, I, I feel super blessed, frankly, to, to have come into contact with life in here. Now, like I, I get to run the company and I get to share this message. I get to speak all over the country and see those same things happen for other people. So when I can help somebody else, you know, avert or avoid a, a marriage, a marriage breakup or, you know, a, a problem with their family or, get them out of working like 60 hour weeks and I can show them how to cut back to 20 or 30. Like, it's awesome. Like I get to, I'm living my vision by helping other people live theirs. Got it. I love the, the way you finished that. You get to live your life by helping other people live the, by uh, helping other people build theirs. I think at the end of the day, a lot of us are just trying to be happy. And if you can kind of do your thing while helping everyone else do their thing, I think uh, that's what really uh, makes it worthwhile. Um, you know, on a similar totally. note to kind of when you uh, when you approach life in there, you said you were kind of going through some of these difficulties and now you're able to kind of advise folks. So for anyone out there that are going through similar practical difficulties, whether they're struggling with personal relationships or work life balance or maybe financial issues, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give them to kind of transition their, their lives? Man, the, the two things. The first thing is like just realize, realize don't first of all, do not give up. 
do not give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't think you have to make a decision about like, hey, I, you know, I have to have either this or that. Like, I, I don't believe in like, you know, like a dichotomy of, of choice. And so have hope for a better thing, a better thing that awaits you, a better future, a better, a better image of that. But also you got to really step back and really understand what is most important to you so that you'll have the reason why you have to make it work. Like, so, you know, this, this is a mistake I see many, many people make is like, they're going through these challenges because they've misprioritized their life because they haven't identified the things that are most important to them. Mm -hmm. And so fight for the things that are most important to you and prioritize those things. So like, for instance, if, if health is super important to you and you're going to, you're, you know, you're a donut away from a heart attack, you got to prioritize work and then figure out a way to make it happen. So I just did an awesome, we have, a, so we have our podcast life in our show and we just did an awesome interview with this guy who's he's 60, 60, I think 60, 60 now. And he was saying like for the long, and he runs a huge company. He has, you know, it's 50 plus employees, multi-million dollar business. And he said, I wanted to start taking off Friday, sorry, Mondays for me. And he's like, I tried to outwork. He's like, I tried to work my way to freedom and it doesn't work. You got to just decide this is important to you. Put it on there, commit to it, decide you're going to do it. And then you figure out how to make it happen. And so for somebody who's struggling to your point, they're struggling in the relationship, they're struggling in their life and their personal health or whatever. You got to decide this is a priority and you're going to do whatever it takes to, to make that, you know, uh, to improve that and, and get it in alignment with what you want it to be. Uh, and then, and then that's the first choice is decide to actually decide. I know it sounds simple. It sounds oversimplistic, but it's, it's true. You know, all of us know how to get in shape, but until you decide that you're actually going to get in shape, most people don't do that. Yep. I definitely agree with you on that point. I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of us say we don't know, but you know, deep down inside our conscious is a, is a lot smarter than we give it credit for. We know what to do. I think a lot of times people have this fear, this worry that it's not going to work out, but I agree with you in the sense that sometimes you just have to kind of decide, be strict about something, know where your values align, and then just like figure things out around that. And then if you if you have confidence and uncertainty, uh, things will one way or another end up shaping out. So really great note on that. Um, you know, a few of the fun questions I wanted to ask, which I think you'll really enjoy as well. Um, and this one I think is really, uh, really will really resonate. But if you could give advice to your 10-year-old self, what would it be and why? To my 10-year-old self would be just never, ne never stop having fun. Um, and you know, I think, man, I look around, you know, we do our live events and I'll see people that look like they've had the life sucked out of them because they just, they create, they create lives of, you know, we call it this adulting thing. Like, so you're, you're a lot younger than I am. Um, but I see people that like, they just try to get, they're just trying to get through life. They're just trying mm -hmm. to like put their head down, put their shoulder down. They're looking for their two weeks vacation every year. And they're 3% raise every year. And like, it's, that is just so far beyond what like is really what's possible and what's, what's, what's out there. And like, so, so never stop having fun, never lose that curiosity, never lose that joy, the hope, the, just a spirit of like, let's have some fun here because that, that I think is so, so important. God, I also think it's important. I think a lot of times if you're enjoying yourself, you, you age a lot slower and you can enjoy it. Yeah. Well, not that aging is a bad thing. We all get smarter as we get older, but you get to enjoy life a lot more and, and stay young mentally. So really great. Well, dude, let me, and let me also say this, like, so, so how old are you? I'm 24. Yeah. So I'm 50. And oh, so great for 50, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thanks, man. 50. And, and so, but here's the thing is like, 
yes, things change as you get older and, and you absolutely should be getting more wise and, and but you shouldn't life shouldn't get heavier like as you get older. It shouldn't yeah, and I know things happen in life and people start dying as you get older and older, but like you gotta maintain that childlike curiosity and joy because to your point, you just age so much quicker if you don't. That's a fact. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can all make that decision. Obviously, you know, sometimes things happen, but yeah, I think a lot of times for, for those that didn't make that decision, one of the biggest regrets or kind of regrets of dying people is, you know, I wish I stressed less. I wish I had more fun. So hopefully uh, some people choose not to take that lesson, but hopefully we can all, all take that lesson and kind of move forward with our lives. So definitely yeah. a great note on that. Uh, you know, I see a lot of uh, books in the background, so I would love to know what your favorite book is and why. Man, so you'd have to give me a specific topic. Like, so for instance, I, by topic I have, for, so for, for instance, like leadership, one of my favorite books is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. If you want to talk, talk about, you know, marketing, we might talk about something by Dan Kennedy in one of his No BS series or Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. If you want to talk about, you know what I mean? Like, so, so it's a little bit harder to give a favorite, but my, my, my favorite book ever is the Bible, but that's not necessarily, I think, where you're going. Um, and so if you have, if you had a topic, I mean, I mean, I, I love reading yep. and you know, my wife, by the way, only, only half of these things are read behind me. And the reason is and my wife's like, why do you keep buying books? It's like, because I know when I, when I need to know something that that speed of, of implementation is so important. So I want to be able to pick up a book and read it right then and there, because like, I, even, I don't even want to wait two days for Amazon prime. <clears throat> so so I'm constantly learning. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, some of my, I'd say, you know, extreme ownership is great because that's, a, that's a book that applies to real life. Uh, Crucial Conversations is a fantastic book in dealing with people. Um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People is great for just general socialization um, and learning how to like interact with, with folks. Um, you know, another fantastic book, uh, Robert Cialdini, Influence, fantastic book. Um, those are, those are probably some of the more influential books in in my I'd say in my in my library thus far that I can that are coming to mind right now. Got it. So uh, on that note, I'll break it down into two categories. What's your favorite business book in general? Or if you need to break it down further than that, happy to. But on that note, overall business, I would have to say probably Traction, mm -hmm. most likely Traction. You know, EOS. You know, um, Winkum Willink. No, wait. What is it? Wickham. Wickham. I think. Got it. Well, so what's Gina, Traction Gina. about? So it's, it's about, um, it's about something called EOS entrepreneurial operating system. And there's six components that he talks about in terms of a, uh, of running a successful business. So he still so have people systems. He'll have each different component of business in a very simple way that is really relevant for, uh, for, you know, small, small entrepreneurial businesses to run. And so it's basically a way to kind of do everything from the people component to the data component to the to, um to, to each of each of the and i don't remember all the six quite frankly but there's like each of these is is valuable um i'd say that book all another another close a close second would be um the e-myth by michael gerber which is essentially what we just talked about before which is like you know the difference between being a technician and he breaks it into three into three stages but there's a technician like a manager and then kind of the entrepreneur the business owner um, that's probably a close second for an overall favorite business book. Okay, fair. What about what's your favorite narrative or favorite story that you've ever read? Um, favorite story ever would probably either be um, The Alchemist by um, Paolo Cosilo, or I'm not sure how to pronounce the second name. Quello, one of those things. Quello, yeah. That's yep. pr probably, 
Or I'll tell you, man, this is going to sound super hilarious, but there are a few children's books that I love because of the, I don't want to say deceitfulness nature of it, but the complex, the deceitfulness nature of these books in terms of like the adult lessons that they teach that are also kid friendly. So for instance, there's a book called Dooley and the Snort Snoot. Um, and it's a lesson about courage. There's another book about um, uh, There Is No Dragon, which talks, and, and Jordan Peterson talks about this book. This is fantastic. I love the book of uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where um, it's, it's basically, to me, I take it as a business, a business automation book, like in terms of the, of the story behind it. So I, I learn lessons for business, like the tortoise and the hare. Like, listen, they're so simple. And I know they're like, people, your listeners are probably like, okay, like what? Like children, listen, the, the lessons in these books are so profound and so simple. And they're told as stories, which everybody likes, right? But you can extrapolate these incredible lessons um, that are just so, so true in real, in real life, not just when you're, you know, eight years old. You know, it reminds me of a, of a lesson or kind of a lecture that I had in school one time in this one entrepreneurship class. I don't know if you've ever heard of this exercise, but they give you like sticks and pieces of tape. Does that sound familiar at all? No, no. What's that? So basically they give you, if I remember correctly, they give you like, I think 10 or 12 pieces of spaghetti or like kind of st like really thin sticks and like, you know, a roll of tape. And basically the, the task is to build something to, you know, as high as you can have it. So it's stable. Um, and statistically, the people that do the that do this best are build the high structure engineers, which is like understandable. You know, that's their bread and butter. But in second place, usually comes you know kindergartners or people in grade school, and then oh, after wow. that comes like business students. So the idea is that like business students, the way schools or the way people teach classes now is that everything has to be so defined, everything has to be so strict. But in order to build like the highest structure, you have to get really creative, and unless you're an expert in it, you have to really play around with a lot of things. So. I think the, the funny example here is that like, you know, the, the younger you are, the more you're willing to experiment. So a lot of times right. when you're younger, you know, big lessons learned in that. So true. That's a great point. Yeah. It's a really, really fun exercise. You know, another uh, fun question I have here, if you could have dinner with anyone else, you know, in the world, whether dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, for, for sure. For me, it would be Jesus. Um, cool. And th there's, you know, a number of reasons for that, but that, that if, for a dead person, individual, you know, uh, no, no longer currently here on earth would be Jesus. Um, alive would probably be Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say most likely, you know, this is a funny story. So like literally a month, a month, maybe two months ago, I was given a VIP, uh, dinner opportunity with John Maxwell and it was free and I was invited to go, but I had monster trucks already booked with my, with my kids. And so, I, that was a, that was a moment of vision testing for me. Like if I say my kids are most important to me, what am I really willing to do? And so I, I gave up the dinner with John Maxwell. Um, I was also given an opportunity to go to Necker Island, uh, and, and have, have a day with Richard Branson. Um, and that was, it was 20 grand. It was not nothing, but the money wasn't the issue, but I looked at my schedule and I, and I had things that I, that I, that I didn't want to move around because it was important to me. And so I gave that up too. So like, those are the kinds of weird kind of things that kind of come your way, but it's, it's really a, a, a test for you to see like what's most valuable to you, you know, but for, yeah, it'd probably be Tony Robbins. Cause he's, that would be really cool to, to him. Um, or let's see if it wasn't Tony, maybe a second choice would probably be 
like uh, Jordan Peterson. That'd be kind of mm-hmm. cool too. I'd enjoy that. Yeah, I think he's a uh, he's you know legendary guy. I would love to have dinner with him too, and would learn a ton of lessons. What do you think? Some of the questions you would ask them would be specifically. You know, I, I might be a little biased here. Maybe it's the most practical example, but Jordan, what do you think the most uh, you know the most important questions would be to ask him? So, man, so I I did have a chance to attend a VIP session with him. There was like you know twenty thirty of us in a, in a room with him, but I didn't get one on one time with him, which would have been cool. So for him, you know, I'm fascinated about his beliefs around um, not only personal responsibility, but also his just his transparency in terms of saying things that that he believes to be true and that are not they're not culturally acceptable like because of the world we live in where he he you know he be, he believes and based on and i don't think i think jordan's very um objective mm-hmm. and i i don't believe he has any kind of particular uh agenda any kind of personal reason for the things he says other than he believes that he should share the truth and so i i, I admire that greatly and so i w- i would i'd want to know from him like what has that been like and how have you continued to to share these things amidst the controversy, how have you choose to focus your attention? Like, you know, how do you continue to stay involved and not feel isolated as you kind of gain status? Um, I'd like to know about some of the things in terms of, you know, his own lessons for, for personal responsibility. And, you know, his, he has, you know, his, his two books, his rules for living um, that I'd, I'd like to, I'd love to love to love to kind of dive into those a little bit deeper than, than he had in the book. And, and also, you know, hear about some of the, the examples that he's experienced on his own regarding those principles. You know, I have a, a personal theory. I definitely know uh, Jordan Peterson or kind of psychologist wizard here, but I think that we all inherently know kind of what the truth is or kind of what, you know, being objective and right is. And I think that a lot of times what he says, some people are happy, some people get pissed off because they secretly know he's right. They just don't want to don't admit it. So uh, interesting. I agree with that, that, man. And that's, that's what he's, he is. I, he's, he's polarized people, but I believe to your point, the people that have a challenge with him, either one, know it's correct or number two, don't want to admit it's correct. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think this is such a, this is a little bit off topic, but I think what, what I've learned from him and others is that when you polarize or automatically dismiss or don't listen you lose the opportunity to grow and to improve. So the more you can hear people that you disagree with and learn something from and openly try to understand them, it's such a valuable skill. Like, and so that I'm, I'm curious also to how he's allowed himself to kind of not become polarized himself and become bitter and become like, you know, hurt, you know, hurt and, and, and negative. And so like, I, I think that that's, that's a missing. So for instance, I'll give you an example. I and this is not a not a super big example, but like for instance, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big Barry Sanders, uh, not Barry Sanders. Um, um, I'm thinking Barry Sanders, a football player. Um, yep. What's what's his name? The the um, Deion Sanders. Oh no, no, no politician. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, I, I think Barry Sanders was the running back. Bernie Sanders. Totally. I'm not a super big fan of his political agenda and his policies and some of the things I've heard. But I realized, you know what? I don't know if I've fairly judged this guy because I haven't gone through all of his stuff. I'm seeing these two second sound bites. And so I did some research on him and I watched interviews with him. Uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And so like I'm watching, I'm learning, I'm watching. And it did substantiate that I don't agree with a lot of his things. And I think they're overly idyllic and simplistic and, and aren't well thought out. But 
I also looked at a guy and I'm like, you know what? He seems like he'd be a super cool grandpa. And he seems like he's a nice guy. Like he really, I think he do, does want the best for people. And so it just, being able to kind of like not get polarized by things that are different from what you believe and learn about them. And this goes for on, on both sides, on all sides of the table. It allows us to be human and it allows us to connect better. It allows us to grow more and be more compassionate, understanding and empathetic. So there's no downside. And you can, you can be free to disagree with those things, but you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't have the full picture. And so that's one thing that's kind of, I know we kind of just went on a total tangent there, no, but yeah, yeah, it's valuable. I mean, look, what makes that, what makes these podcasts good is when we go on those tangents and we kind of just shoot this shit. So no worries on that. But uh, I definitely agree with you on that point. I think, you know, personally, I disagree with some of his fundamental stuff as well. But I think that a lot of the times, if you look at the intention behind it, it seems like a nice person, you know, and while we might disagree with a lot of his policies, if you understand the person behind it, I think it helps you grow a little bit as an individual. So I definitely think that's a, it's a very valid point there for sure. Hmm. Um, you know, the other, uh, one of the other final two things I wanted to bring up, and, you know, I'm sure this is kind of a, may sound like a, a loaded question, but I want you to answer it as simple as possible. What would you say brings you just pure happiness in life? Man, for, I'd say for me, it's, it's mostly a few things. Um, my family has, has, is definitely like, like front and center. Um, and that's, that's one huge thing for me. Um. I love being able to in, impact other people. Like I get a lot of joy from helping other people. Like there's a, there's a point in life where another, another stake, another 10 grand, 50 grand in your bank account, it doesn't mean anything. You don't feel any different, <clears throat> but when you can help somebody else raise their standard of their life of, and they're, they're, they grow and they mature and you can help them live awesome lives. And then they go and do that. It's even better. And so like, I'd say impact with other people, my family. Um, I love the feeling. I'm, I'm, I, you could say I'm even, you know, um, maybe like I, I, I love business. I, I, I love that as well. Um, man, I, my life is a lot of get to's, not a lot of have to's. And um, I'd say those are some of the things I, I, I love. Like, I mean, I have ho hobbies, of course, and stuff too that I enjoy tremendously. But I don't know if I'd say full joy like i you know i can sit down and play guitar for four hours and i look up i'm like oh my gosh like what just happened like i thought it was like a half hour um so those things those kinds of things i have in my life but yeah i'd say i'd say mostly it's related to like my family and impacting others okay i think that's a, that's a very beautiful answer on that note you know you've been able to impact a lot of lives have had your life impacted by life and error uh is there anything else you want to share whether it's relationship advice life advice business advice you know fun advice the final word is yours jason yeah, man, the, the biggest thing I'd say, the biggest thing I think that people would benefit from is really taking the time to very tangibly figure out what they want their life to look like. And this is something that it seems so obvious, but when I ask people what they want their life to look like, they'll oftentimes say stuff like, oh, well, you know, I want a, I want a 3,000 square foot house and I, I want my kid's college fund fully you know, paid for. And, I, and I'm like, hold on, you're, you're telling me about your balance sheet. I want to hear about your life. And, you know, oh, I want to take a vacation a couple times a year. I'm like, okay, cool. Where would you go? And they're like, uh, and, and it just becomes very obvious. They've never really spent the time to figure out what that looks like in a very concrete, clear way. So I think that's the absolute first step for everybody. And then from there, then you can start worrying about the how, but you got, yeah. you got to get the what and the why first. The how is, and the how is, is later. 
And so I'd say that is the most important thing that I could tell anybody is take that time to figure that out because it, it actually impacts every part of your life. Like, so how you set up your business will be directly impacted by how you structure your life. So if you say you figure out that you want to travel, you know, six months a year internationally, well, your business has to take that into consideration. You have to structure it very specifically to allow you to do that. And so, but it all starts with life. And like, so that's where business planning actually starts with your life, even as weird and ridiculous as that sounds, it actually starts with your life. So that, that'd be my number one piece of advice for people. Yep. I definitely agree with you on that point. I think you got to get really defined where you're trying to go. And while that path may be uncertain, you have to be kind of have confidence in the uncertainty and then take things step by step. And then, you know, if you're relatively realistic over five, 10 years, if you just kind of keep at it, I think people will be amazed with what they can achieve. But Jason, really appreciate the final word. And thanks so much for taking the time to go on the show. I appreciate it, man. I love what you're doing. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jason Wojo. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show on Spotify, drop a comment on YouTube, and subscribe.